loving brother Stephen Ibali, pastor in Jinja, Uganda. And we love the body of Christ, and we love you, brother Stephen. And God use you mightily this morning. It's only the ministers who understand those sleepless nights before you preach the following morning. (laughs) You never know where to step into that eternal ring. You don't know where to start from because, you know, the word is an eternal ring. You know, it's eternal. It just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. Brother Branham called it uh, a Roman candle. You know, it blows, takes this angle, takes that angle. So, humanity, you really have to pray and wait upon the Lord because you don't know what angle is necessary for the time. So, ministering is uh, not just a matter of picking scripture, but is trying to catch the mind of God for the people. That as you stand out there, you can be a blessing. So, I appreciate the elder, (laughs) Brother Ed, once again, and uh, the rest of the team, uh, I appreciate you, and I thank God for making it possible for me to be here. And uh, I want to say, Brother Ed, if you hear me pass around the corner, it's because these are very giant shoes here. (laughs) You just do not know how to sleep in there and uh, be a blessing to the people. Yeah, I want to bring greetings uh, uh, from the body, the church in Uganda, the saints, especially from my church and the family. Uh, they greet you so much this morning. You know, as I was waking up this morning, I started wondering how God ordains things. And there are no situations that can stop what God has ordained. You know, the year 2006, uh, it was a very interesting year. Because Christmas was a Sunday. I mean, it was a Monday. So, you know, it was a very long holiday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday. Very long holiday. I don't know whether we remember that. But then, you know, as I prepared to go and speak to the church on Sunday, that's the 24th, I kind of uh, got a very strange experience. I felt something jack my body once, shook it. I didn't know what it was, and I was trying to clean myself to go to church. When I looked in the mirror, that was blood all over me. And I didn't know what was happening. I thought it was going to be something for a mint. I used my towel to clean it, nothing. So the towel was soaked in blood. I called my wife. She was so shaken. So there was a fight for who would drive the car, my wife and then my daughter. But uh, good enough, a brother who stayed close came in very fast. So they took me to hospital, and this is 24th of December. You know what it means. 
and it is a Sunday. Mm-hmm. In the first hospital, when they looked at me, they said, we can't handle him. So we went to the second hospital, they said, no, we can't handle him. We went to the third one, they said, bring him in. So, you know, blood and soaking towel and stuff like that. So I get in there and they said, well, we need to extract some blood and then do a test and rule out certain things. They took out the blood, put it in the uh, equipment to check, power went off. (laughs) That was a very interesting situation. So they had a generator by. So they connected the generator, they pulled once and the string broke. (laughs) So, you know, it was a very interesting situation. I've never seen what it means putting your life in the hands of Jehovah. And then my daughter, my, my wife, and the brother that were around were really panicking. So they had to go and look for a generator from some place, and they brought it, and so they pulled it, worked. And uh, so the doctor was able to know what she wanted to do. But remember, this is 24th December, a Sunday. So when she looked around, she didn't have the kind of medicine that I needed. So they ran down to the pharmacies. All of them are closed. (laughs) And you know, it was such a very funny situation. And then started looking like I was moving further away from the present life. Everything was like closing away from me. So, but I was calm. And uh, finally they started running around and they got some of the pharmacists, they got medicine and uh, they applied it on me and stuff like that. I, you know, I rested. And then I asked what happened. They said that you punctured a vein, you know, because of the hypertensive condition. And uh, you're lucky because if the blood didn't find a spot out, you would be a dead man. So I thank God that he kept me that year alive. And uh, the Lord has been very gracious. In the last, uh, you know, two years, I've been in and out of hospital. This one time when I was in sleep and Waking up, I couldn't really breathe well, only to find out that I couldn't close my mouth. And so I said, run me to hospital. It was in the night at 2 o'clock. When I got to hospital, my tongue was big and swollen. So it was choking the breath. And... uh, I was watching, what could I do? You see, you start gasping for breath, but finally by grace they applied uh, medication and I settled back again. I spent a few days in hospital. The whole problem was the medicine that I was using had been uh, on this medicine for about 20 years. You know, these are bodies of time. 
they get different effects, you know. What becomes a healer turns out to become a poison at a certain time. So, you know, the Lord saved me from that situation too, and I'm thankful to God. Otherwise, I wouldn't be standing here today. (laughs) And, you know, earlier this year, we had a situation also with Brother Fred, uh, whom you know very well, and uh, Brother Tim is the best in trying to narrate situations, and he has already told you what happened to Brother Fred. You know how he was run to hospital, you know, in a, an ambulance. And uh, when he was there, she was, you know, uh, under coma for a few days. And uh, see, I started thinking what could we do with this radio program we have? What can we do with the translation of these books? Because this brother here is the voice of Brother Branham in the Luganda language. He's the one who speaks, you know, behind Brother Branham. And uh, he interprets, you know, translates the message. You know, he has given himself to uh, service of the Lord. You know, he's such a young man who has got a, 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 a commitment and a, a desire to, to do something. Because when he came to the message, when I first met him, he was a young man. Uh, he had a great six education. But uh, while he was, you know, growing up, and, you know, and he was ministering, he worked himself through and got a university degree. You know, he said he wanted to stand before the young people with the competence. <laughs> so, you know, but he has put down everything to serve the Lord. So, I was wondering, Lord, what are we going to do? You know, if Brother Fred is gone. So, I prayed together with Brother Fred, did whatever I could. I called Brother Tim here, and uh, we mobilized some funds to meet some kind of a specialized treatment for him. And today we say thank you, Lord, for giving us Brother Fred back. Amen. Amen. Because when the Lord brought him back, the story changed. You know, the Lord started using his life like never before. You know, the Lord gave him one more chance. And you know, I always wonder at this man's life because, um, you know, he's held by grace. You know, you can get sick today and run to hospital, he's back tomorrow, and then the other day he's back on the field. And I wonder where he gets the strength from in that condition and is baptizing hundreds of people in the water. You see, those things, if you don't see God, I don't know what you see. <laughs> it's just God who does the work there. And so... Uh, from the Lord as, I mean, from hospital, the Lord has profoundly used him, you know. And uh, each time Brother Tim would call and we talk on phone, he says, what's up there? I says, what is here? I don't understand it. Because, you know, he was saying, what about, I said, there are so many people Brother Fred is baptizing. 
You know, to me, the way I knew I would do mission work is find one spot, dwell in that spot, be like what Brother Branham said about Paul, produce some people, then move over again. But this one here turned out like a wildfire. So I would always tell Brother Tim, to me, this is a sea. Even if you are a great swimmer, you do not want to go into the deep of the sea because you never know how far you are going to go. Yeah, that's what I always saw. And when I was talking to Brother Ed the other day, he was saying, what about all those people? I said, Brother Ed, I don't know, it's the sea. (laughs) But you know, uh, we try to do the best we can. Amen. And I appreciate God that has... uh, uh, Opened this up when Brother Tim came uh, personally too. It was my first time to get all these people gathered together. I was as surprised as Brother Tim was at how many people we had in the compound that day. We had about 2,000 plus, and the cars were bringing in people, and they were bringing in the people, and so people in the area were asking, is the president coming to that place? (laughs) You know? So it was very interesting, really. So at that moment, I said, Brother Tim, I have to get at the center of this and try to... uh, lay my shoulder to the wheel and see how far we can go. Amen. So since that day, you know, uh, we've kind of tried to work with the ministers. Uh, Brother Fred has got uh, a class for the ministers every Friday in his place, and uh, those around my area, we've got classes on Thursday. So, you know, we minister to those groups and we try to bring them under the order of the message so that they may know how to handle their churches. You know, one thing, uh, what this has taught me is that fishermen don't give up before they catch fish. (laughs) You know, John, Peter, and James, they stayed on that sea for a long time. They were not willing to go until they catch fish. And their long suffering, their patience, their waiting brought the Lord into that boat. And told them, try this other side also. And so when they put the net in there, it was too heavy for them to pull out. You see, this is what I seem to be seeing in the ministry back at home because, you know, we had the radio program running for years and, you know, you baptize one here and then one there and, you know, you don't really see anything so big. And we were satisfied with what we were seeing because the original purpose of this radio program was to help cater for the people that were in the message. They couldn't read and some of them couldn't understand English. So we had to cater for them uh, on the radio program so that they can be able to hear, you know, for themselves how the prophet approached the word. So to us, that was successful enough, but after some time, see what is happening there. Amen? So it looks like, uh, you know, uh, it's, you know, what's happening, I cannot explain. Yeah, it's uh, more than what we expected. And so I seem to see myself in Ephesians 3.20. 
you know, God who gives even beyond what you can ask. You know, He just pours His abundance towards you and see what you can do with it. But right now, we really thank God for that. Amen. So, uh, while we're, you know, getting acquainted with what the Lord was doing in that angle, you know, I had a brother called Brother Huntington, Barita calls me and he says, Pastor, I want to see you. I said, yes. So we make an arrangement. Uh, he comes to see me and he says, there is a certain gentleman, a brother who wants to see you. I said, give him my number. And so this man was, uh, uh, you know, a Baptist theologian. Uh, so he gave me a call. I said, yes, well, I want to see you come. And then uh, I say, what do you want? He says, well, uh, uh, I've been listening to you for years over the radio. And then he says, I even came to listen to you in one of the meetings that you had in the area. And he says, uh, we are a group of uh, independent Baptists. And uh, we do not have a bishop over us. We pulled out of the main Baptist organization. We want to work with us. I said, but yes, you know, we've had you over the radio for years, so I know what I'm talking about. So I said, fine, thank you. And the Lord, you know, made it uh, possible that we organized for the first meeting. When I went out there to meet the ministers, we had over 100 Baptist pastors. <laughs> I mean, you can't believe that, but, you know, that's what exactly happened. And so when I went out there, I took one thing, the name Jesus. And so I tried to show them that Christ is not, uh, uh, you know, uh, the second in the Trinity, and uh, he did not start in the New Testament. I had to pick him up from Genesis, all the word revelations, and now bring him down into the church. You see? And, you know, it was a very great blessing to them. That was the beginning of the many meetings we've had together. So I organized, uh, you know, classes for them too. And uh, one time here I was, I had drawn water and I knew they wanted to be baptized. And uh, so I preached so hard I knew how on baptism. And they were really saying, yes, yes, yes. So I come to a point, say, who wants to be baptized? And then there's no hand going up. <laughs> I started to wonder what is happening. And so one of them says, Brother Stephen, uh, John the Baptist baptized in living water. <laughs> so they wanted water that was flowing just like the Jordan River flow. <laughs> so I say that's okay. All the same, we baptized quite a few of them that day. And the others wanted to be baptized uh, uh, in running water. But what surprised me, uh, when we came to the point of going out there to baptize them, you know, the first batch that I've baptized so far, you know, uh, it, it wasn't really living water. You know, the place was like a, a, a swamp, really. And, you know, the water was uh, uh, not water, really, but it was clear silt. You know, it was thick water because of the clay. 
And so I, I tried to go in. And, uh, you know, I had my gumboots on, but when you put your foot down, you know, you would go down a few inches before you settle. And so they helped me in to walk quite a number of meters to get to where we could find water deep enough to get those people baptized. And so, you know, there I was. And uh, when I took the first man in water, but there were two brothers out there, you know, it's just natural that you go with the man to bring him back. And so when I wanted to go with him, my foot was stuck in the mud. <laughs> so... <laughs> But we thank God that uh, the other side, there were two brothers, they were able to bring him back. So, you know, that was a very interesting situation. And, uh, you know, after that, uh, when I went back home, I told my wife, don't get those clothes back into the house. So I was asking my wife, don't you think it will be necessary for me to see a doctor? Because the water was, no, I couldn't get in there. But I thank God that there are some people that are so willing and are sold out. It doesn't matter what the water looks like. They are willing to die and rise with Christ. Amen. And so we certainly appreciate God. You know now when you are in this kind of ministry, the dynamics change. So the dynamics of this, uh, what we are getting involved in, has taken another turn again. You know, we get people and now sometimes they get to be moved from the cover of organization that they were uh, uh, under. You know, so it happens that some of them lose the places of fellowship. You know, and then right now what they say, these people came to scatter churches. You know, that's what now the organization is saying, that we just go and tear up people and throw them away. But uh, we trust the Lord in his goodness and mercy. He knows. And uh, I'm sure that God, who started it, knows how he brings it rest. Amen. Amen. So I'm really very thankful. So we want to get into uh, the service this morning. But uh, maybe before I get out there, I want to tell you about this morning uh, when I was invited to go and uh, speak in uh, uh, New Year's meetings uh, somewhere in Germany. I took my flight and uh, I had to be picked up from Amsterdam and then drive a few hours into Germany. Now, you see, I was taken for breakfast in this restaurant in Amsterdam. It's somewhere above a major highway. So you sit up there and you look down here. And you know those are the dark, dismal days that come into these kind of cold countries. <laughs> you know, where you really see the morning is so hazy and, uh, you know, it was almost nine o'clock in the morning. But then these cars were coming with the lights on, you know, and there were so many on the street. I mean, on that highway, they were coming and coming and coming. You know, I started meditating and saying, now what? All these cars? Where are they going? So I started saying, 
You know, God is so great. He knows all these people by name. He knows where they are going. (laughs) He knows what they are thinking. You see, it may seem so small to you this morning, but to me it meant so big. That, see, we are all under the umbrella of a mighty great God. He rules in the affairs of men. He knows who we are. He knows where we come from. He knows where we are going. He hears everyone's prayer. Can you imagine? Such a tremendous and glorious God. You know, He knows what we are thinking. So I went a little further than that. I said, look at God. He's the greatest botanist. He just doesn't understand plant life, but he allowed it to be. All these kind of thousands and thousands of species, he gave them different looks. He gave them different life, I mean, spans. He gives them different tastes. You can't taste this grass and that grass and taste the same. You see, so I started saying, hey, God is so great. I said, look about great artists. If you can give them some kind of a challenge to come without having some people to look at and say, give me 10 different people here in your pictures. After 10 people, he may not have another look to present. But he has God. He has created thousands and thousands to billions of different designs of people. That here on earth we don't look the same. But he's not short of designs. Even this morning more designs are coming out. Isn't he tremendous? Don't we serve a great God? I started saying, and God is so gracious that in all this way, he gives everybody a different mind. Completely. You see, everybody thinks different. You can never get two people to think the same way. He is a tremendous God. He gives people different abilities that our abilities can never be the same. God is so wonderful. He's never short of what he wants to do. You know we serve a God of variety. He can give men the same gift and yet allow them to operate under that gift in different ways. He says, Peter, you are an apostle. Paul, you are an apostle. But the administration is totally different. He's the God of variety. Some prophets, you know, God gives them those gifts and then he lets a man like Jeremiah He's so long-winded and he keeps going and going and yet he's so simple to understand. But the same God allows men like Ezekiel, men like Daniel, they've got such details and they've got symbol form how they bring up their things. So, you know, you look at the wisdom of God, the eternal wisdom of God, and yet at the same time, he has men like Obadiah, one chapter prophets. (laughs) You see, so God is so gracious. Now, I would have wanted to present my facts as easy and uh, precise, hopefully, as Brother Ed would. But I thank God 
that we serve a God of variety. <laughs> I would have desired to be that, but sometimes the way God works with us is totally different. And I would not be honest if I came down and tried to be like somebody, I would be defeating the purpose of God. So as I speak this morning, I may not find the best scripture or the best quotes to bring out these thoughts. But I, you know, I I will do as best as I can to paint a picture. So that you can go and gather all these scriptures and all these quotes and feed to this on that I'll give this morning and get something so good for you. So we want to pick up the subject today from the angle of the concept. Amen. You see, uh, Brother Branham taught us how to deal with the concept. And the concept means the underlying thought to the main idea. Yeah, you get the picture and then describe the picture. Amen. So that's what I'm going to do. The concept is the thought uh, over which somebody builds his statements. It is a standing picture existing in the mind of a preacher. And the preacher does the best he can to bring that concept out by bringing this scripture and bringing this quote. But then I may leave out the quote that you would have wanted me to use. But all the same, you are welcome to build your own picture out of this. Amen and God bless you. Amen. So Brother Branham understood the Bible by way of concept. You know, he would stand between the lines and then pick out certain facts that are not written and yet are real. And it tells you how Abraham and Sarah had their youth renewed. You know, and it's right there. But you seem not to see it. But the concept, you know, the picture that he got, amen, helped him to see that's what happened. Amen. So now let's stand up this morning. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, thank you so much being with us this morning. Father, we can never exhaust the great things that you do for man. And yet at the same time, Heavenly Father, we cannot cease to say thank you. You've done so many great things in the lives of men in the Bible. To show to us, Heavenly Father, what you are able to do for us in this generation. We come before your presence. Lord God, we just lay ourselves before your presence. That one more time, Heavenly Father, you may help us to get into the depth of your word. To help us, Heavenly Father, to embrace these facts that we so love, Father. And may these facts, Heavenly Father, of the Holy Word, get down deep down in our hearts, to transform, to change our lives, Heavenly Father, to help us in the journey that still lays ahead of us. I pray for your children, Heavenly Father. Give them grace to be blessed this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Let us just turn to the scripture in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 22. 
The scripture says, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. May the Lord add blessing the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, I want to speak on the subject of look and live. Uh, we see where we stopped last time, and we were talking about the harvest of the seed. That's where we stopped. Now, the Lord of the harvest steps in the vineyard when the maturity is come. Yeah, because the seed has come back to life, he wants to bring it in the harvest. So, we shall go down a little bit into the book of Revelations, and uh, remember very well that between Revelation 6 and Revelation 8, there is a gap that Brother Branham speaks about in the unfolding of those seven seals. In the seventh seal, he says, and we notice this interval, he called it an interval, between the sixth seal and the seventh seal, which is between the sixth chapter of Revelation and the eighth chapter. Right in between there. He says, we notice this interval, it's not in here just for nothing. It's not put in between this for nothing. It is here for a purpose, and it's a revelation that reveals something. This seventh chapter, to kind of bridge in between the sixth and seventh seal. He says it bridges. Amen. So between the sixth and the seventh seal, there is the calling out of Israel. So between the sixth and seventh seal, that's where we see the door of mercy. Yes, yes. And if you notice, this door is not only to Israel, but it's also to the Gentile bride. There is a mystery that lays in between there, and Brother Branham says it's a bridging. It's a bridging. So he's bridging from the Gentiles down to the Hebrew people. So, during that door, the bride hears his voice, which calls her out, Come up hither. Come a step higher. You see, it's a very tremendous thing. So, in this gap here, we see that Boaz comes down into his vineyard. And the purpose is to redeem both Ruth and Naomi. Amen in this gap here. But then, you remember that we are in the time of the harvest. And now, when the right seed is being harvested, on this other side here, the false seed, which is the tares, is also being harvested. Because the principle is, everything good that started in Genesis, and everything that, I mean in, in the book of Ephesians, and everything bad, both good and bad, that begins in the Ephesian church age, goes all the way into the harvest. 
And then Brother Branham also gives us a principle. And he says when the seals break, every seal goes all the way to the end. The first one all the way to the end. The second one all the way to the end. And we know that these seals are nothing but principles by which God works with his people. Amen. So now here we are in this door. Now, as we come out here, you know, at this time here, we have Opa. Because these two girls, Ruth and Opa, amen, it was necessary for them to cross this bridge into the redemption. But you see here that Opa does not want to go beyond that spot. She's not so sure. She doesn't have a revelation that across the bridge there is a waiting Messiah. That there is a waiting Redeemer. She doesn't have that revelation. So she stays back. And what happens? She doesn't go into union with Boaz in the harvest. Amen. So the prophet says and the public testimony was to be made before Israel at the gate. As Boaz kicked off his shoes to show that he had firmly redeemed Naomi. And in redeeming Naomi, he got through the bride. So in the bridge here, we are trying to see two things here. We are seeing Ruth and we are seeing Naomi. And he says between the sixth and the seventh seal, he says between these two chapters here, there is Revelation 7. Which is the redemption of Israel. And then he leaves it there. But now the redemption of Israel gave Ruth also an opportunity to come into the harvest. By redeeming Naomi, he also got Ruth. Amen. So there is a mystery in between there. So between the sixth and the seventh seal, we step into the season. Behold, Boaz! Look away to Jesus. Look and live. Come up hither into union, into fellowship. It's beyond the works of man at that time. It's a union. It's presenting people to Christ. It's from a prophet to his prophecy. Amen. So in this season, he calls Israel back in his homeland and the church also back to the homeland of the world. Amen. Because he was ready to perform a redemption. Amen. We shall go and I trust that the Lord will help us along the way. So uh, now here we are in Isaiah chapter 45 verse 22. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Don't look on anything else. Have a focus. Know what this message is all about. It's not personalities. It's look and live. There is one object. Amen. When we started out in this message, we did everything else we could 
to find out Christ in the message. But then as we come to another octave higher, we come to a marriage season. We do not only see the bridegroom, but we also see our position with this bridegroom. Because it's a uniting time. We come into marriage. We come into union. So here now, I want to take you to the book of Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 8. He says, in that day, what day? This day. Shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them, at that day shall be as David. Let the weak say, I am strong. And the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. So in that day, what day? Is this day of the revelation of the Son of Man, God lifts a standard. In verse 9 he says, And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy your nations that come against Jerusalem. Now, it is a space of time that he is speaking about. Amen. So, verse 8 and verse 9, we find that the Antichrist is trying to take control. Amen. It is the turning of the corner between the catching of the bride here, you know, and the stepping forth of the two witnesses. It's the time of the overlap. Amen. At this time, the Lord steps down with the king's sword. Because he knows there is a battle to fight. So he steps down and the king holds a sword. It's not my sword, not your sword. It's the king's sword. He knows the spirits that are coming against the bride today. He knows all kinds of doctrines trying to come in. And so he says, I'm going to stand in here and defend my bride. Oh, hallelujah. So he stands out there with a sword in his own hands. In the time here of the overlap, we know that we've got one thing we know, that God in working, he does not have clear cut stop of this and then get into that. Even when he's building up the seven church ages towards the end of the church age, the life coming in the next church begins to unfold itself here. And now, when the edge comes to the end, it does not stop there. It's like you applying the brakes of your car. You don't just come, boom, on a stop. But there is a momentum that you gain a little bit before you start. So, there is an area of two colors, which we call the area of the overlap. And he says, between the sixth and the seventh seal, there is a period in there. And God, in this period, he says, I'm coming down as a redeemer. But then, as I get near me, I'm going to get truth also. 
Amen. So when the bride, listen, strikes her adoption, it causes Israel's eye to open. They are looking at what is happening. And these things begin to pull their desire. They begin to say, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Hallelujah. They want to come. And you see, it causes them to come to a point where they begin to seek for God. Israel, look at what is happening out there all the time. They are trying to get closer and closer to the desire of the coming of their Messiah. Amen. So, I'll give you this uh, 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 principle here, Brother Branham saying, we know now, we, we must now recall what has been said about each age, running over into another age. There is an overlapping and a melting or fading into rather than an abrupt and clear-cut start. The age particularly, this age particularly, flows into the next age. Okay, so this principle so is used when God is sealing the Gentile dispensation as he gets into the Jews. He uses the same, uh, he uses the same principle. I will take you down to the book of Revelation chapter 3 verse 10. Do you love him this morning? Amen. In verse 10 it says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. Look at that. You have kept the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the faith. I mean upon the earth. It says, Because you have kept the word of my patience. Now, here we see that our security is holding the faith. Because the perilous times are coming. And the scripture says they are going to cover the entire world. So, he comes up here when he's explaining that. I can't just leave this out. He says, because you have taken my word and lived it, and thereby become patient. Amen. Amen. I will keep you from the hour of the temptation which shall come upon the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Now, here again, we see the overlapping of the two ages. Brother Branham says, for this promise has to do with the end of the Gentile period, which culminates into the Great Tribulation. So, there you are now. He says, I'll keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. This verse is not a declaration that the church will go into the, trib- into the tribulation. If it meant that, it would have said... I will keep thee from, it would have not said that I'll keep thee uh, from the hour of temptation. This temptation is exactly like the temptation in Eden. That's what the prophet said. He says, I'll keep you from the hour 
of temptation. So now, we see that between these two chapters here, there is an hour of temptation. This is when the spirits of Hitchman, the spirits of Hitler, began to release upon the bride. And the whole purpose was geared towards getting Israel. And now, when God is salvaging Israel, at the same time, He's also salvaging the Gentiles. He says in between here, because the hour of temptation is going to come and cover the entire world. And then he says, between the sixth and the seventh, what happens? The sixth, I mean the sixth seal had opened up. But then he came and he stepped on it. And he says, hold on, hold on, hold on. Amen. For winds of the earth, hold your peace. Why? Because there is a mystery between here. There is a mystery of the revelation of redemption. Amen. I'm going to reveal who I am. I am what I've always been. But my bride doesn't know who I am. So I'm now reserving time in this gap here to reveal who I am. I'm going to send a prophet to reveal redemption so that my people may know what I have already done for them at Calvary. Amen. He says right there, there is a mystery. Amen. So the hour of temptation, like it was in the Garden of Eden, where the Antichrist steps forth one more time to tempt the eve of this hour, he brings what he calls the squeeze. So now listen, friends. We are in this particular time here because it's a growing spirit. Amen. The spirit of tribulation starts out here and Brother Branham calls it a squeeze within the bride. But it's exactly the same spirit. Amen. So this Eve is tried on several fronts. She's tried on character. And she's also tried on the understanding of the word. And then she's also tried by the environment around her. Amen. About her character, Satan pulls back the three major trials. Amen. That corresponded exactly to the temptation of the Garden of Eden. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And all these spirits here, they come forth wanting to try you. Amen. You start feeling like you're somebody, and then they begin to pump you up. The pride of life. The lust of the flesh. You want to look like some kind of a film star or something like that. He says, all those spirits that you see out there, their intention is to try you. Amen. Amen. And then, at the same time, you remember in the Garden of Eden, Lucifer comes through the serpent, and he says, did God say? He comes up with different quotes. 
This quote here, that quote here, and the other quote here to check you out. Whether you've got perfect faith. Whether you know what you're up to. Whether you know what this message is supposed to produce. Amen. My, 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 Satan taking you through the course. But thank God that we know what we are looking for. Whatever quote you give me, let that quote show me Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what matters. Because this message here was supposed to reveal Christ. Amen. And bring Christ into union with his bride. That's the purpose of the message. It's a uniting time. Amen, amen, amen. And in Eden also, we see that the trial of nature. You see, when nature failed, then everything else took a tumble. We know that sin came and filtered into all systems of life. And then he says that the earth shall bring up thorns and briars. That was another trial. And then Adam and Eve were told, out of the sweat you shall eat. Amen. So all these things here, you see the natural hazards. They are going to build up more and more. And then Brother Branham preaches the message on coming storms of judgment. Why? Because this trial is going to cover the entire earth. There is a blizzard here. There is a tornado there. There is a hurricane there. There is an earthquake here. I tell you that the earth will take a tumble. But only those that have got the word of my patience are going to be kept from this moment. Amen, amen, amen. So how do we stand in this hour? Amen. We know very well. The principle is when the enemy comes up like a flood, God lifts us a standard. Hallelujah. Amen. And when the standard is lifted, you become the standard against the enemy. Oh, praise God. God will not leave you vulnerable. Amen is going to bring the word to you more positive. There is a way you're going to stand with the word. Amen. Brother Branham says, but God just brings his word more positive all the time. He don't have to refortify it and bring something else. He just makes his word more real all the time. And the Bible said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God raises a standard against it. Then if the enemy comes in like a flood, God's fortification to his people to fortify them is the word of God. He just raises the word. That's a standard against the enemy. And sometimes when we start talking about the word, we normally sometimes look at the doctrine. But that's not what it is. When we talk about the word, we are talking about you. That is the manifestation of the word in these pages. It's the same word, but God brings it more positive. And that's what I'm trying to do this morning. 
to bring to you the word in such a positive way to paint a picture that you say, Lord God, I want to be part of this picture. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Telling you how wrong you are, how weak you are, will not help you. But telling you what God has prepared for you, you step in there and that's your victory. Amen. My, my, my. It's the same word, but God just makes it more positive. He lifts the faith of his children to overcome the enemy. Amen. So, listen friends. God is motivated by the negatives. Did you know that? When more sin comes in, God brings more grace. The negative motivates God to come in with the positive. You know, I always wondered. Brother Branham saying that Christ was not seals that was revealed. But when I was looking at the seals, the best I could see was horse riders. And I said, now, where is Christ in these horse riders? But then I forgot that at the opening of every seal, there was a voice saying, come and see. It was God seeing the rising of the flood, the coming forth of the horse rider, the coming forth of an evil power. And then he says, I can never let my children be taken unawares. Come and see. And then he shows you the forces and also sends a remedy to lift the standard. He says in this attack, I'm going to send the lion of the tribe of Judah, the love of the word. That's what God does, my friends. He lifts a standard. Amen. So let us feed on God's positive promises of the word. And our inner man will manifest that. Once you feed on those promises, they make you the manifestation of the positivity of the word of God. Amen. We don't feed on our fears. Yes, sir. Even if you feel you're weak, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, I can possess the gifts of the enemy. Being positive. Amen. I'll take a little junction here. Now, we know that the seal is to the Gentile what the trump is to the Jews. So, in between here, when we are talking about sixth seal and seventh seal, and we said between there, the Jew would be saying between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet. And you see they were breaking forth concurrently at the same time. So, now he says, the very hour that Israel was signed in to be a nation. And remember he says, in between there, there is a mystery. The mystery of Boaz coming into his field in the time of the harvest. He said the very hour that Israel was signed in to be a nation, it was the very same hour, very same day, very same month, everything else. I was at Green Mills, Indiana, 
when that angel there appeared to me and sent me out on the field with this. And he had met me down on the river and told me what he would take place. The then commissioned me, 11 years later, at the same hour that Israel was signing in as a nation, it is also connected together. See, the end of the Lord is on earth now. He's moving around, fixing everything for the coming of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. He says, listen, he's now connecting and fixing Israel. At the same time, he's connecting and fixing the Gentile church. He says, he's right on the earth now. So what do we say? Look and leave my brother, look. Amen. In the time that Israel became a nation. Hallelujah. My, my, my God also started collecting his children, placing them into the opening of the world. Amen. So now, he says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience. So in the hour of temptation, you are not alone. Amen. In this time, God pours out special anointing that has been amen, storing in the message you believe. Amen. amen. Immediately you cross like this, my brother. There will be a body change. Amen. But right here, he's quickening what you have been believing. He's quickening the seeds that have been going through your life. He's quickening them that these seeds which creates the passion, hallelujah, can now be motivated and can come now and activate you in the hard times. Hallelujah. This is the hour where the weakest ones are going to be like a David. <laughs> they know how to handle the sword. They know how to handle the word. This is the hour where the anointing is going to come through and manifest itself. My, 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 my. It's the manifestation of the sons of God. Amen, friends. In the overlap, the anointing of grace pours out to seal the bride and the 144,000. And he says, in that hour, the spirit of grace and supplication pours out. At that time, the bride is coming back into the homeland of the world, and there is something to look to. It's the fullness of atonement. Brother John, it's token time now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's right here. And he says, now look and leave. There is something to look to. And he says that my ministry is to declare that he's here. Hallelujah. He has presented us something to look to. We do not look to one another. No, sir. That's where we fail. But there is an object of life that stands out there. And that someone says, come up here. He welcomes you into an embrace. Because it's a marriage time. It's a uniting time. 
Amen, 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 amen. In this season where the Lamb takes the book. Amen. This time it is look and live. Many times we talk about taking the book. And as I said, let me teach this this morning from the angle and the principle of the concept. Because when we also say taking the book, what is it? But from the concept, you must understand what it is. And then try your best to bring this quote and bring this scripture to make it alive. So, here we are. The taking of the book is not a doctrine. But rather the revelation of God's finished work. Listen friends. It is a finished work. It's the revelation of redemption. Hallelujah. It's the time to look and live. Yes sir. It is not a doctrine friends. But it's a revelation of finished work. John had all the doctrine. He wrote all the churches. And they knew everything. But yet at the same time. He needed to have a revelation. Of what he knew. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go to Revelation chapter 5 here. Mm. We know what we know. But it must break into revelation. And once it breaks into revelation, my, it has an effect upon our lives. Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. And one of the elders says unto me, Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root and offspring, has prevailed to open the book and to lose the seals thereof. Why is John weeping? Because Revelation 3, the church ages are complete. Brother Branham says. Now Revelation 4, the judgment seat is set. The 24 elders are there. It is the throne time. John, you've been called into this. But John says, now, who am I? What's the revelation? Who am I in the economy of God? John was so scared because now before the judgment seat, he doesn't know whether his name is on the book or not. So then John began to cry because he needed the redemption of the book. He needed somebody who could take the book. And when he looked in heaven on earth and below the earth, nobody was found worthy. And then John says, my God, the man who has got the book is a judge. What am I going to do? And then he was told, don't cry. The lion of the tribe of Judah has been found worthy. Hallelujah. And then John says, when I turned, I saw the lamb instead. What happens? The same one has given you another chance of grace, a door of mercy. 
Hallelujah. He gave another door of mercy. And then John began to worship. John began to glorify God. And I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. So Revelation chapter 5, John is not being redeemed. But Revelation chapter 5, John is getting a revelation of his redemption. A finished work. The lamb as he had been slain. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Behold the lamb as it has been slain. It's the outpouring of the spirit of grace and supplication. It's the revelation of Calvary. Amen. I know that there are some people who don't preach the finished work of Calvary. But we stand here not on our works. Not the knowledge of doctrine. But a revelation of the finished work of Calvary. By seeing the Lamb, you see your redemption. Amen. The inheritance. Listen, friend. Listen, listen, friends. There is something special here. When Moses was on the Mount Horeb, or let me take you back. Maybe Abraham, when he was doing his sacrifice, he had got a revelation. And this revelation was, this land here belongs to you and your seed after you. That was all. And then they were taken 450 years. And at the end of 450 years, who knew God? Nobody. Moses in the Midian, around Mount Horeb, he sees a pillar of fire. The glory of God. He hears the voice in there. And then he says, my, who is there? What's that? So he starts to get closer. And as he gets closer, a voice from within the fire tells him, Moses. He wondered. How does he know me? But he doesn't know his name was in the book. That was the revelation of redemption. Moses, Moses, the place where your eyes hold the ground, remove your shoes. Moses removed the shoes. But Moses said, who are you? Who are you? He is not God. But his redemption laid in that eternal promise that God had given to Abraham. And God follows that promise to make it to pass. Sometimes we do not know where our redemption lays. Our redemption is not in ourselves. It's not in our works. Our redemption is in Christ. It is in Christ. And we must come to a point when we realize who this Christ is. Listen, friends. 
that completely transformed the life of John when he knew Christ by revelation. When he got to know him that day, John screamed. John shouted. He was like a Moses on Mount Horeb. The revelation of redemption has come. This is a God talking about Abraham. He knows my father. And then he told, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Come up hither into your redemption. Do you love him? So right here, by coming to a, a personal revelation with Christ, John sees the finished work. He says, oh, the Lamb had already performed the redemption. Are you together with him? Yeah. You see, friends, sometimes we get to get scared and we fear, we tremble. We kind of uh, think we shall never make it. But listen, your redemption is not in you. It is in Christ. And your revelation of Christ is what begins your victory. John understood all the doctrine, but he needed the revelation of the finished work of Calvary. The scripture says, when he turned, he saw the Lamb as he had been slain. That's the beginning point. The day of atonement. Listen, friends. The eyes were set on the high priest. Because as the offering was brought in, the hands were laid there and all the sins were moved over into the lamb. The priest slaughters this lamb. Listen. It had been checked to be found whether it was thorough and good enough to take the money sin. Now, it was not the worshiper who was checked. It was the lamb. The lamb dies because you are a sinner. If you go through the checking, you are a sinner by nature. No question about that. And so what we needed was a perfect lamb. And now when the perfect lamb was found, my brother, the only way it can redeem is if it had been slain. And when it was slain and the blood was taken into the Holy of Holies, Hallelujah. Then the people that were out here were waiting. Is the Lord going to accept the blood? Yeah. You know they are wondering what is going to happen. Will this priest be smitten in there? That means that the atonement has been rejected. But they are out there waiting. And now listen friends. When the high priest come out. The hallelujah. The glory to God. The praise Him. Why? Because the atonement had been received. Hallelujah. That's why John rejoices when he sees the Lamb that had been slain is back on the throne. He knew it is over. It is finished. Amen. Oh, 
he has made us accepted in the beloved. And right now, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's what makes the difference. Praise the Lord. Amen. And when John comes to that revelation, he comes into something that he has never done before. He was accepted in the beloved. He was not standing down on the perimeters. He came to the center. He was now candidate of association with the supernatural. He was also worshiping together with the 24 elders. He had come into the presence of the glory of God. It was now hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm accepted in the beloved. Amen, amen, amen. It's look and love and live rather. Amen. So the lamb, as he had been slain, that's your atonement. He's the object of our worship. And once that becomes revealed to you, right there and then, my brother, worship comes down. Amen. So the time of trouble, the amateur tribulation had to stop. Because God, in Revelation 5, he had to break the redemption seal. Amen. So, listen here. They had to be put a stop to the world wars. So that God can take in his own. So, let me say, where are we now? Where are we now? We are in the time... When John broke into his revelation. Amen. We are in the time of look away to Jesus. It's the time of the revelation of atonement, of redemption. This is where we are. We step into the feast of atonement. Before we can step over into the feast. Amen. Completely of tabernacles. Amen. We must see him as he is. We must stand before him. Because standing before him, it transforms you. Amen. You see, it's the time of the full manifestation of redemption. Brother Branham here says now, you see, you know, I, I want us to get a realization of the spot where we are. He comes in the threefold mystery. The third part of it is to walk you back to Eden. Are you together with me? Christ in Christ. I mean a God in Christ. God in the bride. And the third part, walk you back to Eden. That's what he is up to now. So, I'm going to show you something here. We have come to the time of look and live. You see, because the ministry of the prophet was to declare his here. He says, Whom do you say this is? Who is this Melchizedek? The greater than Solomon is here. It's huh? a uniting time. Everything else passes away. Denomination passes away. We behold the person. Now, we are in such a great time 
is the time of the full manifestation of all the three pools that we have always had. Now, sometimes we think that these three pools are doctrines. But it's not that. It's the way God has worked himself into the soul of man. That's how God has worked. Amen. He works himself in. You see? Many times we really think that we are the ones supposed to go in. But you can never get in there. The priest does the work. And then he says, okay, I'm going to touch your flesh and cause you to get uh, 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 moved a little higher. And then he says, then I go down into your spirit area, call out your failures, your mistakes, cause you to repent. I take you a step higher, and finally, I want to settle up into that inner room, into the holy of holies, and bring down my glory upon the bride. Amen. So, look away to Jesus. This is where I was pointing to, and I take a few minutes, and then we are gone. He says, so now I'm going to say something to you now that I haven't said all along. That is the thing that we have looked forward for so long, at least many years, four or five, maybe or more longer. The third pole has now been vindicated. And I am sure you all know what it is. Then he says, now remember, there will never be an impersonation to, of that. Because it, can't be, it cannot be. Now, it is in existence. The prophet says, it is in existence. Not will come. Because I said, the reason why the seed goes in the ground is because they have to be harvested. But if we keep saying, will come, will come, will come. But the prophet says, it is present. And I am warned of this. It's just happened. So it could identify its presence among you. But it will not be used in a greater way until this council begins to tighten up in this door here. You see, this is the time for its greater manifestation. Okay. And when it does, the Pentecostals and so forth can almost impersonate anything that can be done. But when that time comes, then you will see what you have seen temporarily be manifested in the fullness of its power. Amen. So listen to me very well. We know what the third pool is. It was vindicated and it has been declared in existence now. And that was way back in 1963. But now the prophet says difficult times produces it in greater measure. And he says, because you have held the word of my patience, It builds you to a time when this pressure tightens up that the word of God's patience comes out of you as a manifestation of the third pole. 
So the third pool is the manifestation of the word. And it's the grace God is giving us in this hour of squeeze. We know that we have had some three pools together. You know, the minister of the prophet had three pools. Same God working in the life of a believer. That's the way God works. Because those are principles. Amen. You know, sometimes the people just take these principles and make them a doctrine. But these are principles on how God works through the prophet in this age. Amen. And how he works through the believer that believes the same message. You see, we don't need to take it as dispensations. You know, we get so much of a dispensational mind. And we really think that, well, when I pass this here, then God is not going to work with me here. Then we've been told justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then the people say, oh, well, when I come to the altar, I was justified. And then when along the way, when it's going on, he makes a little mistake. He says, I don't know what I'm going to do because I cannot be justified again. You see, because we start chopping up the working of God. You see? And then Brother Branham says, I thought there are three works, but no, it's one work of grace, but three phases to it. Justification, sanctification, and baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's the life of God growing in a believer until he gets to manifest himself as being in the believer. Yes, sir. And this is the same way God has worked with three phases. The first phase was God working in the body of a man. Amen. And then in the spirit of a man. And then finally in the soul of a man. So all the first two pools. Listen now. Because, you know, we sometimes say, oh, we are in the third pool now. Now, how did you get there? Oh, we are in the third pool now. Because to them, third pool is a doctrine to teach. But not the life of the word they believe. You see? Now, listen here, because we are in the message, look away to Jesus. All the first two pools manifest in the third pool. That's what I want to say. In the first pool, listen, Sister Midas' sist was seen. But the third pool takes it away. Okay? The second pool, which is God working in the spirit area, convicts a sinner. But the third pool gave salvation to heart-right boys. Are you together with me? Okay. Listen here, Brother Branham says, you brought it to pass in my own home. That was the first pull. And now the third pull confirmed the first pull. He says you cannot separate them. It's same work. Because the third pull, the way it can work is speaking the word. And when you speak the word, it causes things to happen. And some of those things we see, it was healing of a body. Which healing of the body lays in the first pool? Are you together with me? 
So when those difficult times come, look away from your abilities and look to Jesus. You've heard the word and you now know what to look for and how to stand. That's what Brother Branham says. Then here he says, but it's going to be used. And everyone knows what that for as certain as the first was identified, so has the second been identified. And if you will think real closely, you who are spiritual, the third is properly identified. We know where it is. So the third pole is here. Hallelujah. So when the person is come, he doesn't only work in the life of the prophet. He takes away the prophet, but the person of Christ stays here with him. To make the message we believe, not a doctrine, but a life of Christ which works through us. Amen, amen, amen. So we serve the God who identifies his presence in difficult times. He is Jehovah Shalom. Amen. He identified himself to Moses and he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When the, I mean, uh, the disciples were scared, he stepped in their presence and he says, Fear not. Amen. Amen. And in our difficult times, I'm sure he's not going to leave us. So, the third pool for sure is not a doctrine, but the demonstration of the word handed down from Malachi 4 to the little bride. Once you believe the word, it puts on flesh. Elisha collected all the quotes, but when he came to cross back the river Jordan, the quotes were not enough. He says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And then God came and anointed those quotes and they become life. That's the third pole. It's the manifestation of the anointed word in the lives of God's people. And listen, friends, when Moses believed the word, the word became so real to him. And God gave him an opportunity because he had been preaching. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God said, let there be. In the beginning, so the time comes now that God allows Moses to see the word made flesh. And then God gets his thoughts and puts them in the mind of Moses. And he says, now Moses, the word is mature. You speak the word. And then he says, let there be light among the children of Israel. And let there be darkness. And the creation put on flesh. Let there be frogs. Let there be this. Let there be that. Hallelujah. Look away to Jesus. Amen. Because he's here, not as a decoration, but he's here to make his word alive. To give you strength. To be strong like a David among us, the weak ones. Oh, hallelujah. And let me tell you, Brother Branham believed in the word. And at one time he was so scared. And God told him, now you speak the word. Storm seas. 
and the winds of the sea had bowed. We have believed this message for so many years. And God gives us opportunity to make this word in our lives alive. This word is not a doctrine. This word is the life of Christ in you. And at one time, it puts on flesh. That's why he says, if you speak to this mountain, not me, but you. The third pole comes down as the manifestation of the word which you believe. The word of your patience pulls you out of difficult situations. That's the third pole. But yet the third pole is going to work completely. In the age when the roughest of times come. But you know, it has been symbolized in many ways. We've had it symbolized as the sword. We have been having it symbolized as the open word. We have it symbolized here and there. But you see, the whole thing there, you need to catch the concept. Not to catch the doctrine of it, the concept. What is it? Then you paint the picture, step in it, and claim God to make that word alive. Look and live. Behold, Boaz is here in the harvest. God bless you. Hallelujah. We can stand up, friends. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you so much. You have spoken to us. You have shown us the season where we are. And you have told us what to expect in this season. Father, we are believers. We step into this picture. And we cease to look at our weaknesses. Because in this time you said you are going to strengthen us and the weakest one is going to be like a David. And the house of David shall be like a God. Because you knew, Father, dear Lord God, that the tempter will come with the same power that he used against Adam and Eve in the garden. But Father, you promised to stand for us. We are here, your children. We just want to look to you. Father, in all our situations... We pray that this word becomes alive. Bless our hearts in a special way. The glory comes back to you. Fathers, we stand to see your goodness in the land of the living. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We still here? I heard from heaven this morning. I heard from heaven, and I'm looking across the the sanctuary, looking at your faces as the word of God's going forth. You know, it becomes more richer and more real when you're in the word. When you're in your Bible, when you're in this message, and that word becomes flesh, it makes it all real. And God bless you as you've drank from the fountain that's been opened in the house of David. What a wonderful place to be. 
Amen. It's not a, it, it's, I love the thought. It's, it's not a doctrine. People, you know, use their psychology and try and put everything in their lives together by a doctrine. It's a concept. Can we say we have the mind of Christ? It's a time, Lord, that we, according to the word of God, we heard this morning from the Lord. We need to take that word, embrace that word, and speak the word of God. Get away from our nonsense of our ability when we have no ability outside of Christ himself living in a people. Blessed be the name of my rock who trains my hand for what? Don't get it down to a psychology. This person says this and that person, I agree with this. It's the word. Receive the word. Deny the personality of your feeling and your understanding. But just say, I received the word of God this morning. Blessed be the name of my rock. Oh, blessed be the name of my rock.
praise Him this morning. I believe we can lift up our hands and lift up our voices. Glorify the King of glory, for He is worthy of all praise. For the Lamb has taken the book and He's opened the scroll. And we've seen our name. The full atonement of the promise is mine. Elisha had all the coats or the quotes or whatever he had. But there came a time when he had to come down to the river. Let the God of Elijah come and confirm his word within your life this morning. Maybe you have an impossible situation. We've been speaking over the last little while. And and Satan is just on the run. Let's keep him on the run. Take the word of God. Claim it as your own. And believe for the impossible within your lives. Come expecting tonight, 5 o'clock, Brother Stephen Ibali will be ministering to us one more time. I don't believe it's Brother Stephen. I believe it's the Holy Ghost in Brother Stephen. I believe it's the Word of God coming through the vessel. So if you have a continual need, you just look to the Word of God. It will meet your need. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, the Word has declared that you sent your Word and healed the people. Lord, as Brother John even prayed at the beginning of the service, Lord, that there are many needs within the assembly. But I believe the word of the Lord has come to heal them in their situations. And that, Lord, we have not come to the house of God in vain, but the great I Am has come down. And you've met needs and you've released burdens. And, God, you've touched them in the inner man. So, Father, as we prepare to leave, we pray that you'll strengthen the man of God. Pray, Lord, that that word that we've heard will not just be words, but it'll become flesh within all of our hearts and lives. Lord, it's been a blessed time to sit at your feet this morning. Lord, I pray for every need and divine presence that you'll go within the hearts of your people as they rejoice in the promise of God. There, yea and amen. And the word of God said we've been set free by the truth of your word. Bless your people now as we go our way in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Look and live. And saints of God, if there's ever been a generation that's been called to that scripture, Isaiah 45, 22, look and live. Look to the word of God. It will meet your need. Why don't you greet one another? See you tonight. God bless you.